Testing ooh. <laughs> That's a good one. It's a good one. Can you okay, question. Can you sleep on air mattresses anymore for more than like a night? I mean, yeah, if you've got it in you, bro. I, <laughs> my back my back feels like a snap bracelet from the nineties right now. It's it's bad. Was this like because we've got to talk about thickness, right? Like, how thick was the mattress? This is post-clap energy right now. I'm going to be clapping you off, and we're going to lead into that <laughs> shit. Welcome back to Evology students from everywhere. I am your tuckered out but still festive Professor Ricky. I'm in Mardi Gras regalia right now and despite our travels, Ethan is still recovering from this big ski expedition to research our new isekai. But here to talk about that and much more is our surrogate professor in his own right, a friend that's been on a couple times before and my current dungeon master, uh, Cody. How are you doing, my dude? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing pretty damn... I'm, I'm hurt. I'm hurt, man. <laughs> tell, tell me about it. I was just uh, just regaling you before the clap. I had to sleep in like four different beds in four days, one of them being an air mattress. Let me get that out of the way. It was nice. It was thick. Do you know like how many inches? Oh, we're talking size like... Size matters. Like It does matter in this case. <laughs> size does matter. No, always. No, no forever and always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was basically um, like one of your big like 12-inch, 16-inchers. Okay, that's pretty thick. Yeah, so my back feels a bit like a slinky and it was a mixture of just not good sleep due to having a very uh, fun period of celebration, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. And just the variability of all of the places that I slept, all of them kind of comfy in their own right, very much more than I thought, but I think it was just the, uh, the, <laughs> the randomness of it all. But all in all, it was a small price to pay for um, Mardi Gras, which was super fun. Like, the... Pr- I d- it, dumb on me to think that the parades weren't the central thing because of course they fucking are yeah there's like shoulder to shoulder people but the throws is what they're called they give you people just throwing stuff from the floats we were walking back with like two or three bags full of like imagine trick-or-treating but every house is the prize counter at a Chuck E. cheese <laughs> okay yeah that, that is what that is and i'm like we just had so much plastic shit like incredible amounts of plastic. And shit. were you on Bourbon Street like the whole time for it, basically, or did it really? Like- we didn't go on Bourbon Street at all. Oh, actually, at all, at all. So, um, basically, it was just other routes. St. Charles is one of the big veins in yeah. New Orleans, so we were on that street for one day, and there's another one near them that was kind of like the big ones are like the irises and the muses. They're all called Cruise with a K, and it's very fraternity sorority. Okay. Very, yeah. very much that. So I mean, it was it was super fun, and apparently to get in one of those crews, it's very prestigious, very pre- like like we're talking legacy, old money oh. to get into one of those. Yeah, it's very, very odd. But all in all, it was uh, it was super fun and just good vibes all around. But you know what? Speaking of good vibes, mm. I've brought you on to essentially talk about a show that you've kind of been on repeatedly to talk about because you and I are both big stands of this show. I'm already getting goosebumps. I'm already getting goosebumps because we are talking today about the final season and then kind of an overall perception of Mob Psycho 100, the madhouse masterpiece. Mm. It's, it's basically, to this day, 
uh, could be one of my favorite anime of all time. Absolutely. It's worth talking about. So um, to start off, I guess your first impressions of the final season, I wanted to start up top with, I didn't expect this to come out at all. Like this season ever. Yeah, I don't think I had any expectations because I truly felt like the cap of season two was so well done and really it had, finite, right? Yeah, and I feel like, and I think we'll get into this more as we talk about all the arcs, but I think maybe not so much with season one, but it truly like it feels like the characters that you you've been introduced to, like they've had meaningful arcs that they've completed, and like. So, yeah, I could have never seen a season three and been very satisfied with the ending we got. Right. Yeah. So it it did feel kind of like one big epilogue. But as we dig into it, I'm going to make the case that season three was entirely needed. Like entirely needed. Okay. Um, But I mean, setting the stage super quick for those of you, obviously, there's going to be spoilers for basically all of Mob Psycho. Um, It's one of those shows where there's not a lot to spoil i would say it's not like a very narrative driven it's very character based yeah. so we could give you some of the bigger beats we can give you the points but it's not really going to ruin the core of the show for you no, i'd say absolutely yeah. not so at the end of season two we got ourselves this like we said it feels very natural clean this final battle between you know shigeru um you know our mob or titular character and toshiro the head of the claw organization which is these group of evil espers and they kind of had more of a battle of ideologies as well mm-hmm. you know basically shigeru kageyama is a kid who in spite of being a absolute god wants to go ahead and you know struggle the right way grow in the right way to his perception and what reagan had told him in the beginning right like you are not special just because you have psychic powers. Anyone with any special trait doesn't inherently make them special. Right. It's kind of the main theme of the show. Whereas Toshio is the complete opposite. That ass is just like, I have psychic powers. I am a god. And end of story. Right. Like, I'm a fucking god. Everything I've earned, I... And his powers even, too. He literally sat on his powers. His special gift was stockpiling power. So he raised 20 years of just this big psychic battery within himself. And he's like, I'm going to take over the world. Yeah. I'm just going to take the world over. Oh, fuck you guys. And, you know, fuck you too. Um, so that ended, that battle ended. And really, Ishiguro grew in himself, said he'll stay behind with them and make a connection with this guy. And now we're here after all that, after what felt like, okay, we've had this nice rounded arc for a lot of characters. And now we're here. And I would say, too, even just from the one comment you made that, I agree after seeing season three, it it truly like to do a full circle for the entire because like I was talking about how I feel like at the end of season two, it finished all the character arcs really nicely. But the overarching story of Mob and Reagan in particular, I think that's the story that season three gets to focus on and bring to a full and really satisfying close. That's the part, too, is that like for season two, if it were to have been left there, I would have been satisfied. But then seeing season three, you realize the arcs aren't actually done. Their arcs are not done. We could have been living. We got a little bit of it because in season two, we had Reagan who kind of came to peace with telling someone else that he's a basically a fraud. Like he's a, he's a con man. And we have, you know, mob who has come to accept you know, the meaning of having connections and the work it takes to get them. Whereas Toshiro is basically like got connections via fear where he grew and built friendships. And the and it's not just the friendships he built. It's the skill of empathy 
and like actually being able to empathize with someone else, which is why he could save Toshiro to save the city and make bountiful broccoli. Just, <laughs> just big ass fucking Brock, man. Um, well, and the thing that I, I think I've, as I've thought about it more, that really stands out. Cause I, I will say, I think I enjoyed season two more overall than season three. Okay. And, and not, not necessarily like, I think season three, because it, landed the finale so well it's like you gotta you gotta really gotta give me the attaboys yeah, yeah you got yeah. you gotta put it on a pedestal for that reason i think just moment to moment i found season two more satisfying and i think i might have found like the overall like i i feel like while mob and reagan both grew in this season i don't think it was as significant as in season two and what's funny is that i've been thinking about why because i think before we got into all the clearly the good great shit in season three if i had gripes it would feel that this this season the final season feels narratively sparse and it feels it feels a little aimless to me for a while yeah right and i think it's because we had become accustomed to a traditional shonen formula while i think Season two is really your poster child for Mob Psycho 100 to follow a linear, more traditional shonen path. You had your uh, people at the top. You had like your your main villains that get stronger as you progress. Like you have right. the final baddie. You have like your moment where your main character can go all out through circumstances. Right. Learns the power of motherfucking friendship <laughs> and gets himself a big ass Brock ending. But then you look at season three and the way that it paces its events in no way resembles most shonen trope. And there's a couple elements here where I think you can really point that out. The is, I think the aimlessness feels as though because we're seeing something that isn't inherently shonen at the end of the day for season oh, three. Oh, yeah. I, I think, well, and even the whole series, I'd say, it's kind of an inversion of shonen to a certain extent. Like, on the surface, it may seem like you're pretty typical shonen anime. You have a kid who is trying to gain strength in some way. The reverse being that he already has all the power he could ever want, and he's trying to find strength within himself. And right, so right. it's really cool to see that exploration of like, hey, he can, I mean, theoretically, he could beat everyone immediately if he really wanted to. Just sneezing the wrong way could level a yeah, block, right? Yeah. But the whole point is that he doesn't want to have to rely on that. He wants to find the ability to to connect with people and to change them without having to rely on those powers. And I think that's, for me, one of the reasons, being someone who does love Shonen, the fact that it, it has a lot of the stuff that makes Shonen satisfying. It has the like eye-watering, insane animation, the crazy, well-choreographed oh, fights. Oh my god, dude, they, they, they next-leveled and proved in an era where 3D is not just getting prevalent, saturated, but good. Yeah, good, 100%. Good CGI, and trust me, everyone in the classroom knows that I am a huge anti-3D stand. Same. So, yeah. like, I, but I'm, I'm coming around with it, and I feel, one, we recently watched, uh, you know, Chainsaw Man, obviously, like, mm -hmm. the CG is incredible, yep. and then we watched a show called X-Arm, which is one of the worst anime ever made and it's it's fucking <laughs> dog trash if you can listen to one of our most recent episodes go watch that because i was fiery i had a, i had a burning in my gut um and it was it was super bad uh and even ethan who you know you everyone at home in the classroom total aside he he is resting from a skiing trip that we have been joking about like uh, he went to go research our newest uh, isekai. We're going to home grow in the time that I got reincarnated in, into an ice world and defeated the snow demon and got a lodge harem. <laughs> it's a workshop. We think the title's, the title's, a, little, the title's a little short. You just you make know? an acronym. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, would, I hazard to try in my head 
just that making an acronym <laughs> but yeah we feel like the title's a little too short for an isekai if we can have another oh, subtitle or two too yeah i want it to be essentially a synopsis yeah 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 <laughs> so he's not here he's not here right now but i was talking to him about cgi and how i'm slowly turning around but there's shows like mob that show of course with the right talent the right budget the right studio madhouse obviously chef's kiss god tier 2d um it, it, it like scratches like the shonen goblin brain for me, oh, like, yeah. like literally like a fight you have a fight between sentient broccoli army and a a deity level character, which we'll get into in a moment. One of the best fights I think I've seen in months yeah. and months and months and it had no business being that good. But <laughs> bull had it now. I haven't thrown one of those out in a while. Bull had it now. God, the, the show, it, it, it doesn't have to follow a shonen formula if it's going to come dropping fire like that. Yeah, it's seriously, I'm, I'm, I made a joke, but I'm literally getting goosebumps right now even thinking about the animation because <laughs> it, it, it truly blows me away. And I think too, because it's in some, and a lot of, I think it kind of leans into the psychic aspect and it can be really cerebral sometimes without like, without lose, it's both how cerebral it can be, how kind of psychedelic it can be without, without you losing sight of what's going on. Yeah. And then also the way they switch between like, uh, formats and art styles to like convey oh certain God. messages and like punch certain messages home. That is like just, I don't know that combination of different art styles and truly just being masterful across the board is so impressive. They have this one technique that they brought in one specific person in the industry. The name escapes me right now, but um, they are known for their brushed style animation. Yeah. Remember like it looks like a moving watercolor on screen and it gives it that real like, celestial almost dreamy like yeah. state and like to the, to the point where you said psychedelic looking yeah and i mean it's a show about trippy cerebral concepts and the idea of using these powers in that way it just visually is so tight as a package it's that so it's so rare and and the fucking music like to tie into oh, all of it. the God. music is wild the music's amazing and it, it's to me i think it's so funny that like the thing I love most about the show, this show are the emotional moments and the character stories. Like to me, that's what makes this show so special and differentiates it. But it's really telling that despite that I often I've rewatched the show a few times. And it's like often I just I'll be in the middle of an episode and a really like emotional moment will happen. But then I'm like, I'm just going to rewind like 10, 30 seconds to like that really badass moment that just happened where right, like, right. He, like blew up that building and it was just like, <laughs> I like lost myself in it. Yeah. Right. And so with you get more of that and then some in, in season three, but to your point, that's one of the earlier gripes is that it does feel narratively listless, but it's not it. Cause I think the theme of the sec of the third, uh, uh, season is more about it's, it's kind of finding finding yourself. If up to that point was figuring out how to connect to others, it's self acceptance. It's self acceptance. It's self connection, and it's real. It starts up right up top. We have that one episode where they're kind of doing odd job errands and stuff, like they like they do. There's spirit, right. spirit consultantship, and uh, they go to that one guy's house that thinks he's being haunted by a spirit, but he's just like not left his fucking home in like thirty years. <laughs> like, and like the stink lord supreme, essentially, he's a he's like a. Well, basically what what that's meant to show is that like he didn't make any decisions in his life and he's just done nothing but like be a hoarder shut in um and both um serizawa and the guy that they rescued in season two that now yep, works yep. yeah and mob are both looking at this guy like oh fuck like this is what happens when i don't because that's the same time that mob is wrestling with the uh career sheet yep right so he's like I don't know what I want to do 
I never thought about me that way, like like uh, about what I want. Um, cause he's been so focused on trying to get, you know, connections with others. He never really stopped to think about himself in that way, which then spirals into the themes of the later part of this season. Well, and I'd be interested having now finished the show, wa- rewatching season three, because I wonder if it would feel as aimless as it did on first watch. No, cause by the time you get to the end and you see mob very like really wrestling with himself it makes it really clear like, oh, this is what this whole show has been working towards. And so I wonder with that hindsight, if we if I started again, I'd be like, oh, no, this all it clearly is going in this direction. You just wouldn't know without knowing how it ends. Exactly. And I think that's that's important to recognize that we're doing a first watch through perspective, but it does merit a second. Um, so, I mean, the the whole idea of the self-acceptance idea, and there's like three major parts of this season we'll go through. The first one is mob wrestling with kind of his his own future, right? That part is, I think, the listless part for me. Because yeah. then it starts to really like utilize some of like the loose ends that you didn't really know were loose ends later. And by loose, I mean like the final remaining threads that could possibly yank from the show were yanked to perfection. Like what are the claw people doing now? Right. Right. Every little bit, every little bit, what are the claw people doing now? What the fuck is up with the Brock? Like, you know, what's up with the big broccoli? And like, you know, then later on we find out that like, what's mob finally going to do this whole one of his whole goals is subomi subomi who is his his love interest gal childhood pal, childhood crush, friend yeah. and, and gal pal is moving away and he has to he wants to ask her out before she goes um badly like really really badly <laughs> uh, we'll get we'll get to that so i mean the the major the major point i wanted to say is that the i think the initial part of this season feels listless that, yeah and it, it it does tighten up um, and it's not even a lot to work through. It's like, no, it's like three episodes, maybe four. And if you know anything about this show, it's like, you, it's not like you're, it's oh, not no, hard no, to get through those. No, it's no, like, it, they're there still fantastic. Yeah. yeah. There are some beautiful moments in there and it's like kind of very self-reflective and it's really cool. Um, the, uh, so, I mean, to talk about the one, the first of the two major big arcs, cause I think it's, there's a lot to, there's one episode in particular that I love so much is dimple and the cult. Yep. So, as you know from season one, if you've watched any season one, Dimple is this character who is a spirit whose dream is to become a modern god. He wants to be, you know, the uh, high figure on a pedestal over all humanity. I don't even know if you would consider it a malicious way. He yeah, just, yes, okay. at least at first. <laughs> at, least, at least at first, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's not, it's not in so much as like... He is it malicious? Yeah, he wants control, but he, the way he seems to always go about it, his first attempt was the LOL cult, where people were just he would brainwash him into being happy all the time and laughing all the time. Mom didn't have any fucking emotions, so he tried to do that, and he's like, "Cool, mm-hmm. yeah." Um, what was that? Would you try to do to me? Did you try to make me laugh? I don't think you're gonna fucking. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me show you how it's done. Um, and then the second version, he realizes that. That at the end of it, with the big ass broccoli in the middle of the city, has just sucked up not just all of Mob's power, but Toshido at the end of that fight. Mm-hmm. That's where he he directed twenty years of psychic energy into broccoli seeds, and then kablooey, yep. like we got ourselves a big old big old brock. Um, turns out, on this entire time, and we got—I think this is brilliant—they got little nuggets here and there of another cult that is forming around Mob and his likeness, called the Psycho Helmet Cult. 
the psycho helmet religion or whatever you want to call it. Right. So this has been slowly building this entire time. And I even think I said at the end of season two review, I'm really hoping that they tie into that. And they did, which is great. Yeah. And that was one thing I was thinking about, too, is I was thinking about season three was I think that in a kind of, I mean, a typical sort of trilogy, if you think it that way. Season three may feel a little more disconnected or aimless sometimes, but I think it's because it's really kind of going back to those arcs from season one. And it's like it's closing the show as a whole. But I feel like there's a lot of stuff that is opened up in season one that maybe isn't touched on as much in season two because there's just already so much happening. And then season three is where we kind of start to revisit a lot of those threads that were originally opened and start to. So like the dimple arc, you know, like that started in what episode two or three of season yeah, one. I think it was like three. Which and is so great. that's how we kind of kick off the, the beginning of season three is like, well, let's kind of bring that story to a close. Right. Same with like the relationship with him and his brother and all that stuff. Because it's funny, right? Because dimple never he may have put that plan on hold, but he had no intention of ever not doing that plan. Oh, right. Yeah. He was around. And he was mom. always, I mean, he was always scheming and being honest about it. Right. <laughs> like that. He was, that, that would make, that, Dipple's a real fucking one. Okay. Cause he never, he, really ever, he never shied away. He's like, I want to be a God. And he's like, Oh, does that mean anything? No, no, I want to be a God. I'm still going to do and, that. And that's kind of what makes the, him and uh, mobs conflict. So gratifying is because like he's proven time and time again, like, hey, because my the, the whole reason I laughed and said that he was malicious at the beginning, because I think this is with almost every villain in the story. They all start off maliciously, but the whole point is that they have good in them and that they can change. Right. Of it's, course. it's that yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, like a lot of these people, they're lonely and they don't know how to address that. They have some character flaw and they are trying to, you know, fill that gap in themselves in the wrong way. And it's mob that helps them see that. And so with with uh, Dimple, it's like, hey. He might have started off bad, but like even after that, from the moment like that he joins Mob, he's like, I'm like clearly still going to take advantage of you. You right, know, right. this is what I'm here to do. Yeah. And yeah. But it's funny because as that progresses, we realize that, you know, and they again, none of these things are ass poles in my mind, because why was that cult getting bigger and bigger? And then we start seeing little glimpses of like brainwashing that they're making that broccoli candy yep. that would give to people. And if you consume some of that broccoli, you're kind of like enamored. And it wasn't, it's a lot more subtle than the LOL cult where it's not just like this fake happiness. It almost feels pretty damn real Yeah, with the, with the obvious directives of don't touch my Brock and dimples the man. Yeah, like that, that's, that's true. Like, and then everything else is cool. Like everything that, that's, and he even says like, all you have to do is pray five minutes a day and you're good. That's all you need. But that is because we've already been shown narratively that in this world, belief in something increases its psychic power. We saw in season two, the urban legend. That's a really real legend yep. of the woman in white. And um, because everyone feared it and there's like some new like uh, fan fix like going around like online. Right. It started to gain enough power to like enact itself on the world. So we know that collective belief imbues great amounts of psychic power which dimple he had the right idea start a cult get, suck up all that good good psych oh, juice yeah. man and like you're gonna get like some serious serious firepower so he starts this whole cult around the tree however it doesn't exactly go the way he thinks he's trying to use the broccoli 
as like a conduit, as like a receptacle, and he turns into God Dimple, which is so fucking funny. <laughs> it's his go- it's his goofy ass face and his like red cheeks in this golden god body. He, he kind of reminds me of uh, the main character from One Punch Man, oh, but yeah. if he just had like r- rosy cheeks, he, uh, yeah, yeah, like, like Saitama. <laughs> he reminds me also of in that there's dark skin alloy or something. He's yeah. like one of the S rank lower heroes, but he's this like black bodybuilder dude who's got like a like a basically a black titanium body just like a pure <laughs> muscle it's just that but gold and goofy um they have a great fucking fight and basically the entire time dimple's trying to like manipulate mob in a much more nuanced way he's grown too as like a cult leader mentality like well it's funny too because i don't even see it as I didn't see it as Dimple manipulating Mob, and maybe to a certain extent, but like the way I see their relationship change is when Dimple starts, he just sees Mob as a means to an end, right? Like right, Mob is right. just his way, like he sees this powerful kid that he can take advantage of, like he's my path to godhood, but then through his like exploits with Mob, he's, he like comes to respect him and be like, oh, not like I don't want to take advantage of this kid, like I want him to rule with me. And so I think by the time like yeah. their fight happens... A lot of his frustration is coming not from the fact that Mob just won't give in. It's that he's like, Mob, like, this is for us. I'm not just doing this for me now. It's like, I'm doing this for the both of us. And it's the fact that Mob won't accept that. And it's also partly, too, is that, like, he believes, he does actually believe that, look, like, all your friends are happy, really happy this time. And, like, I'm not asking for complete compliance. I'm asking for five minutes of prayer a day, which, you know, not altruistically, it's on the side. It's like, that's going to keep me powerful. But it's also like, if he's going to be a god over all of humanity, that includes Mob, too. So he's also trying to, like, look, man, like, I'm, I, I want you here with me. And that's when it clicks for Mob, is that he always wanted a friend. Yep. He always just wanted a friend. So, and Mob realizes that he's still a friend because he's like, I'm going to make you say something genuine. None of this is you. Like, this is all, like, not even a means to an end. This even says, I won't accept this. This doesn't suit you. And he then gets him. He doesn't mean to. He's nearly at 100%. They're having this big ass battle. He rips the shirt off of mob's body sh- revealing the one that he had bought earlier <laughs> the ugly ass monkey shirt when everyone else said oh nice shirt dude like all his friends and then what does dimple say that shirt's whack as fuck yep. dude and he's like there it is you would never you never ever once have shied away or lied to me that's the honesty i know that's the real dimple and the honesty that like that's and i just another reason I love this show is it is constantly subverting your expectations, particularly in how they're going to end conflict. And like, I mean, clearly with Shonen, you know, we all know about the power of friendship. We all yeah, know right, about Tachitsu, right. you know, yeah, like, Tachitsu, obviously, you know, so it's like we're, we're used to like a uh, antagonist being talked down by a protagonist, but it's like, and like, I really liked that moment with Dimple because to me it was almost I feel like Mob was almost a little overconfident at the beginning of the season. Oh, he like, was. Yeah. Because like, obviously, like he didn't know about his career path. But then when he starts to he's already he's gained a lot of confidence compared to where he started. And so a lot of friends uh, he, that season that moment he no, realized like shit, like four girls just talking. Yeah. Today. And like for no like bullshit reason. And he's like. I'm cool now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so. And he turns into like a JoJo. Oh my face. god! When they give him that chin, <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking great. But no, and so that like he he starts to get overconfident, and so when then Dimple is talking to him and you know not like giving him like real advice and trying to kind of like bring him back to earth a little bit, 
mob isn't willing to listen to him when he should see that like Dimple's the one person who's going to give it to you straight. And so when he finally confronts Dimple and like you said, he realizes like, Oh, I fucked up. Like you just want a friend. You just want someone to connect with. And this is like your fucked up way of trying to express that. And like, that's what connects to Dimple and makes him see like, Yes, someone finally gets me. Someone finally hears me. I also find it interesting, too, is that if he always knew his path would lead to godhood, there's not... It's pretty lonely at the top. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe Mob. And I don't know if... It, and they didn't really explicitly call this out, but maybe that's what he saw is that now that he sees what Mob is capable of, he's the only friend he could have had yeah. at the top. Everyone else would just... Oh, that's a good point. Like, like, yeah. there, like, if, like in his ascension, he'd be worshipped. He'd be adored, but he wouldn't be connected with. Yeah. He'd just be away from everyone. So in in that altruistic moment, finally, he's like okay like i feel seen now and that's when the great reveal happened is that daddy brock's got other plans (laughs) that all that psychic energy while tapped into by dimple that broccoli's got a mind of its own and we saw that that visage of the psycho helmet like look basically mobs so creepy yeah like made of (laughs) broccoli vines was like i've taken on a life of my own do you think i wouldn't do this with this much power right. so then the, the battle between dimple and the broccoli itself and him protecting mob Ugh. oh my god he used his last bit of brainwashing to brain do you notice that he when he oh, put to mob, walk away so yeah, he wouldn't he, see the fight yeah, yeah so he put he put mob into a sleep because mob basically had all his power sucked away momentarily so he could and then he brainwashed him to make him look like the same old dimple he always was. But in reality, his body was just chewed up and decayed yep. from the fight. So then his last gift was like, go home. I got this. I got this. And then so he beautiful. finally hit him and he cried himself to sleep. It was very, uh. very sad. But um, in, in all in all, I think the lesson there that's really great is that even, you know, the connection, the power of the uh, ability to make connections can he save the day by talk no jutsu in a way that felt extremely meaningful yeah which is hard yeah i think the thing with talk jutsu is that and and i mean i i'm not i can't really think (laughs) of a specific example right now but like it just doesn't always feel very genuine or sincere you know it's like okay this person's been on a vendetta for the last 30 years and you just talk them off you know because of your feelings obito and obito exactly that's that's the main one that comes to mind and i feel like you know they explore that and they they come to where i think it doesn't feel too unnatural but it's like there are just a lot of moments where it's like that just feels a little forced or like i just don't really see that happening but i feel like pretty much across the board you know it feels like it when mob connects with people and he kind of breaks through these walls they've built up it feels really earned and it feels like everything that it, everything's been working towards that moment ultimately. So talk no jutsu is a very common writing technique that people will use to put on their like true, true North star characters, right? right. The unwavering, the Astas, the Naruto's. Yes. You don't have Ichigo giving too many talk no jutsus. Yeah. You notice he, cause he is a complicated less, not, he isn't like the true North, the Black steadfast, white, lynch, like, yeah, yeah. linchpin, like no matter what happens, I will become Hokage wizard King, blah, 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 <laughs> well, I, you know, fight, you know, find the one piece, whatever the fuck. But it's, it's those, it's mob talk, no jutsu, quote unquote. Why does it feel earned? Because we watched him at the start, not have the ability yes. at all. He was unsure. He was a background character in his own fucking show. Yeah. And now he's grown into an MC that is more in the limelight, 
in his own life. Like he's like, I, I, you know, he kind of lived this muted gray palateless person. And now he's like, you notice, you notice what's really interesting too. season one and season two, whenever he'd go to a hundred percent, it was always this, like these bursts of like 80 to 85, yeah. 85 to 92, 92 to a hundred, or just all the way to a hundred. That fight with Dimple, he was going 91, 92, 93, yep. very controlled, very like, so we are even seeing in the narrative visual intertyings of like the, the motif of the show of seeing his percentage go up. It's reflecting his own growth as yep. well at how precise and in control he can be. It's so fascinating. And then when he gets to, he doesn't even get to a hundred. It goes right back down to zero. Yep. He's like, I'm out. And I, I really agree. And like what you said about at the beginning of the show, like Mob doesn't have those skills to be able to talk someone down and he doesn't even have like the wherewithal or like the self-confidence to. And it's really cool to see in season one how like he tries to talk to people because he doesn't want to fight, you know, and but he's never able to connect with them. And like at the end of that season, it takes Reagan to talk down everyone in claw. And and so season two is really kind of Mob finding his feet in that way, I think, and him finally like he feels connected to others. So he's figuring out his own way of connecting and getting through to them. And it's really the end. And I feel like he does that in little moments throughout the season, more so through his actions than anything. Like people see how he behaves and they're inspired by that. But it's the end of season two when he finally convinces the leader of claw by sacrificing himself. When he sits down to say, Hey, I can't convince you to change, but I'm going to stay here. So you don't have to die alone basically. And I'll help you control this. Yeah. And it's like, that's yeah. almost when he makes his breakthrough of like, Hey, he, Mob, you now have the wherewithal to like know how to connect with people and and do the kind of thing that you've always seen Reagan do. And then season three is that exemplified, I think, like time and time again, basically. And what's funny, too, at the end of season two, he learned another very important element there, which I think makes the dimple scene all the more potent is if you remember during that fight, he said, I'm not strong enough to change you. Yep. I'm not strong enough to talk you down. I'm not strong enough to see the error of your have you see the error of your ways, Toshio. So I give up. Some people cannot be changed 100%. or some people cannot be reasoned with in this way. So for him to have learned that lesson and still try with Dimple is big. Yeah, that's a very interesting like, look, I learned what it's like to deal with someone who truly is not going to change their ways. And I don't see that in you. Dimple. Yeah, I don't see it. So that's why he kept persistent to the point where he was just an, he was just naked as the day he was born, like powers wise. He was yeah, zero percent. Nope. So and to to talk to him, so it's very very interesting. So I think that, and I I think the person who actually art directed and narratively directed that entire episode had never worked on Mob before. Oh, and I wow. think they're like like I think they're in their early twenties. Damn. Yeah, I was looking up some of the artists and stuff, and like young really young talent wow, which is really incredible makes, makes me, me feel bad yeah. about myself <laughs> <laughs> shit what am i doing with my life <laughs> whatever but the that really kind of leads us into the final arc and i think why i think that this it was the first moment i was like okay we needed season three yeah because i'd agree with that the big bad was never claw it was never Toshido. It was himself. It was himself all <laughs> along. Yay. But yeah. Seriously, was, yeah. It was the one thing he was running from this entire time. It's not 100% him. It's question mark, question mark, question mark. Yep. And there's a theory going around online that the question marks are not a number. 
it's M-O-B. Oh. That it's himself. It's literally the part of himself he caged away and um, <clears throat> was just trying to control himself but never made peace with that side of him. Right. The side that, you know, let loose and hurt Ritsu that long time ago that, you know, if you look at all the times it's ever come, he's ever, he, I say, you know, his question mark form or his other side has come out. It's always when, <clears throat> how do I put this? He, it's not that he's lost control. It's that there has been cognitive room. Well, it's always when he falls unconscious. Right. So, so there's no longer him. It's now quote unquote, him yeah it's it's the only time because even when he reaches a hundred percent he's always in control right like yeah, Mon, yeah. he never loses himself in that moment he may be driven by a different emotion but like he is still in control of himself but it's it anytime he loses consciousness that's when the question mark comes out and then it's like oh well you don't know what the hell's gonna happen now right so in what the scenes we're talking about is that we had alluded to Subomi, his love interest has said that she's going to be moving away at the end of the semester. So every boy in that fucking school lines up to get themselves a piece <laughs> and they are all just getting on a sadness conveyor belt of just rejection. Just, also, I have to ask, cause I, I still do not know why it might just be a funny way of visualizing that he doesn't care about anyone else. Why does every other person have vegetable for heads? Except yeah, for Subomi. Exactly I why. still don't really, is it just a, a visual tool to do that because i was like is there something deeper going on here i believe like, that might have been a, an anime only choice to heighten that but okay. i think in the in the manga i think they do similar like stuff where even if you look to she's the only one of traditional anime eyes of like the sparkly blue so yes visual trick they accentuate it more in the anime and i really enjoyed that because it's not something you like be looking out for but what you do have is uh Mob uh, kind of grows a pair, little little cojones there, and he <laughs> he finally asks her out. Give her the old, uh, give her the old moves, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, hey girl, yeah, give us an example. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, hey hey girl. Oh yeah. I, uh, oh, oh wait, hold on. Uh, hi. Oh hi. Uh, uh, hi. Oh, oh. You're- you're cute. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, do you? Do I there was a saw uh, cop that was happening down at the at the the the, the malt shop, and maybe we could like sh- like uh, shake a milkshake. I mean, uh, share a milkshake. Uh, oh my god, take me right now. <laughs> <laughs> if if that were to actually have happened, anime over. We're done. <laughs> he gets the girl. Everything's perfect. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So. He does finally get a yes just to have a conversation over the phone and he like his confidence is up. That's when he confidence kind of starts to skyrocket a little bit. But then he's like in his Sunday best. He got himself the flowers for her. He's on his way. He's feeling good. He's feeling confident. And then wham, Truck Kuhn has entered the chat. Mm-hmm. And you know what he likes to do? Isekai people. <laughs> and he tried to fucking Isekai <laughs> the most powerful Esper on the planet. Big fucking mistake because now he's like we said when he goes unconscious that thing is always there. I can't tell if it's like a self-preservation fail safe almost. Yeah. But I think it's just had the cognitive room again to finally come out. And now you have mob completely unhinged and unlike like non-responsive. Right. Yeah. Like with one objective in mind go see Subomi and nothing is going to stop him in his wake. And we literally mean wake like the way they show it in the anime is very harrowing, like news channels and like people from afar seeing every footstep be essentially a city block, which is they don't show it from Ma's perspective, which I find was really interesting because that's not mob right now. Yeah, that's what they said in there is like, you're not mob. 
I'm Shigeru Kageyama. I'm me. This is you. And I wonder too, you just saying that made me think about, I wonder if that framing of showing the destruction from everyone else's perspective is almost another way of showing like what Mob needs to do in that moment is confront himself, but he's relying too much on the people around him in that moment because he's found so much strength through those connections. But that this is a moment where like, the only person for you to rely on is yourself right now, you know? I think the I, what the, I took away from the distancing of the focus away from him is because it's like something alien. Like, this is not, yeah, this yeah. Is not him. Like, at least the him we got to know, but at the same time it is. So it feels like this foreign outside invasion of something where the, the dichotomy of that is like, well, it's, it is and always has been Shigeru Kageyama. It's always been Mob. Well, and I think you can also think about that side of him almost as the uh, the antagonist, one of the antagonists from the second season, Mono, Monome. I can't remember his uh, Mugami. Mo- think, Mugami was but, the guy that the guy that basically projected the entire astral world. Yeah, when he took over that chick, he, became, he was like the most powerful Esper before Mob, and he became a really evil spirit. And so I feel like the side of uh, Kageyama that he's kind of buried is it's almost a reflection of that guy because it's someone it's kind of like what would it's almost what mob would have become if he hadn't learned to not rely on his powers in the way he did and i think about if i'm thinking about the show as a whole it's like the beginning of his struggle starts when sabomi first rejects him as a kid and then he starts to believe see that like okay these powers aren't the be-all end-all and then that's further reinforced by him hurting his brother. And then now it goes from skepticism to fear. And that's when he truly starts to bottle up his emotions, tries to f- push these powers away. And so season three is showing us that like, hey, even though he's reconciled some of those feelings and he's now built connections, he's still hiding and trying to bury that part of himself that he truly needs to accept if he's ever going to move on. One thousand percent. Because he... What he lacked before in his ability to make connections and to grow in the right way, he gained. But in doing so, like you said, he never really reconciled with that part of him, which has just been sitting there festering while, you know, once it's finally come to the surface, this is what happens when you, you don't accept yourself. And then that not not brought to the forefront with, you know, intention. But it bursts out. It's like anything else, like anger, you know, guilt, uh, a grudge, anything that is festered and you don't make peace with. That's a part of you still, dude. Yeah. That's still a part of you. And if you ignore it, shit like this happens. Like, and, that's, and that's it almost feels like and this is why I tried. I alluded to the guy from season two, because it's like that's the, because he's pushed that part of himself away. That piece of himself hasn't made those connections with others it doesn't see the value of other people so it's just that part of him that's like i have all the power i can do whatever i want so why wouldn't i yeah right and that's that's kind of what's like you're like the, the that other half of him is like you're gonna go fucking talk to subomi because that is what we want yep we want this is that not true he's like yeah and as he's having this conversation with him they do this beautiful like visual internal monologue from a visual standpoint where little pieces falling off and going and on. going on to shigeru kamigama and mob the mob that we learn is slowly kind of being taken like look this i'm uh, this is us. This is me. This, I am you. You are I. So like, what's what's wrong with me taking over? Yeah. What's wrong with me finally getting, you know, getting shit done? Well, and I think, too, it's a way of showing <clears throat> like as great as all of Mop's growth has been, though, I think the one fundamental flaw still when we enter season three is that he only 
truly knows how to look out for others. Like he, he is at his strongest and he is at his best when he's trying to protect others, when he's trying to help others and when he's trying to better them. But the one thing he hasn't really prioritized are his own needs and the things that he wants to be happy. And that's the part of him that's saying, fuck everyone else, man. Like you need to look out for yourself for once. Yeah, right, right. And I, I and we basically now we have this like calamitous event, so to speak. You have this unhinged God tier Esper just on a war path. And we see this beautiful, almost montage esque of everyone he's touched in his life and made better try to get through to him in their own way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have um, blonde haired guy, uh, Suma oh God, or something. I like can that? never remember his um, name. Uh, Terima. I had the I had all this stuff up. Um, the all fir- the, the characters' names. The up. first Esper he fights. The first other Esper he fights. Uh, Taruki Hanazawa. Yes, yeah, yes, Taruki. Taruki. Uh, so I, I learned my lesson because we we did uh the eminence of shadow and we kept calling the eminence in shadow and he got roasted <laughs> did i ask them to roast us yes but one free hit, one free hit only. okay one free hit um everyone so, you can roast me all you want there you go i, you can, I like it <laughs> he gets off on it a little bit i'm already turned on i'm already there <laughs> just the thought the prospect of getting clowned on yeah um but yeah so like he comes through and stronger than ever he's like you taught me what it means to grow and like change in that way you have um toichiro basically the main boss from the from the second season coming back and his moment was probably one of the most interesting oh, i love that because he was ready to lay down his life not only working with his son's show but ready to do the same thing that mob had done but he realized in his own growth that in doing so he would be further finally fully turning his back on his son and his wife. He'd be abandoning them all over again. Right. He recognized the importance of connections and did something that you don't see in these shows. Let's just flee. Well, and that's what's so cool about that whole, that whole arc of mobs slowly making his way to Sabomi. It truly, it's like for all those characters, it's including Reagan, including all of these antagonists we've seen. It's all of their final moments and closing those loops of like, like you said, the big boss of claw he has that final moment of growth of being like, it isn't about this. It's about the, my family and the people that I have commitments to with with Ritsu. It's like, even with him and his brother connecting in season one and reconciling some of those issues, Ritsu was still fundamentally afraid of mob. He still was scared of him. So him confronting mob, even though he was easily beaten, it's still him finally overcoming that fear and saying like, I don't care that I'm scared of you mob. I'm here for you. And I, th- I think that's why he, I, at first his arc's interesting because it would appear that he loathed not having power and like his brother does. Yeah. But you know, one of the more common tropes is that mob was like, well, I'm jealous of all the stuff that you can do. You're who he wants to be. Yeah. Right. You're smart. You're athletic. You're charismatic. Like you are leader to me. Those are superpowers. Yeah. That's a superpower. But I think we learned it's more nuanced than that. The reason why Ritsu really wanted the power was not out of fear, as we thought. So he could stop Mob if he needed to. To connect with him, because yeah. he'll never be able to, he can never connect on that level, but now he has his own 100%. I was now gonna say, he that actually was, fought a little that bit. That was so cool when I, that it's building up that whole time to 100%, and then you realize it's for Ritsu. That, right, oh, right. I love that. And Ritsu got his own, own big power yeah. boost, but he's like, I'm finally here to meet you where you're at. Yep. I couldn't before. I didn't understand you. And I felt like I needed these powers to do well, so. And it's also, and like, if, if you have a sibling, I'm sure you can relate to this, like, and especially you being a big brother. Yeah. Like, 
Ritsu felt like he failed as a big brother before because he couldn't protect Mob. He was incapable of it. And so like this for him is him feeling like this. I can finally do my duty as your big brother and I can be there for you and look out for you in a way I never could before. I think this is going to fuck you up a little bit. I think Mob's the older brother. Oh, yeah. But to that point, it's like as a little brother, he's like I it wasn't a matter of protecting. You're totally right. But to your your point, to your point. The f- it didn't feel like that, did it? No, never. Yeah. It felt like that. I got confused all the way up until it was like, "I'm your, I'm your little brother," and he's almost like, "You shouldn't have to feel like you're carrying all this on your own." Yeah, because you know, traditionally, eldest member of the family, kind of like that is the weight of their responsibility. Yeah, but as a younger brother, he's like, "I don't want that for you," but I couldn't give that to you because the problems you're facing at least in his own mind and this is going to tie in to the best scene in the entire season here in a second that you know just because i don't have psychic powers doesn't mean i couldn't have understood you up to this point right like i doesn't mean i couldn't the problems that mob was facing to him up to that point felt so foreign and he felt like he needed those powers to meet him there well and he felt they, they weren't that well, foreign and like you said it's like he his real failing was he wasn't there for mob to help him share that burden and mob felt like he had to carry it on his own but it worked both ways right like mob wasn't willing to share those things but ritsu didn't really push that hard either and so and it was because he still had that fear of like well what happens if i push too hard yeah yeah that's a good that's a good point i never thought like yeah if i really wanted to push him shit can happen again yeah um and i mean you really get all the way to why I think that's such a brilliant uh, ideology or a brilliant kind of notion because the Reagan scene. Ugh. Oh my God. Couple things to note there. One, dude's, dude has been inspired by Mob in so many ways. And I think there's a very specific reason why after I kind of run it down, he, no psychic powers to speak of, but he's been training his fucking ass off. And he's yeah. like, he literally goes full shonen MC, sliding <laughs> down fucking buildings. They never, they never make him seem more badass than he actually is because he's sometimes fumbling. He's in barefoot. Yeah. He's like fumbling and shuffling and stuff like that. He's getting his ass kicked out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but finally, at the very end, he nearly gets to him. Mob drops him, but then he gets up. With the help of our main man Dimple, oh, dude's yeah. fucking back, dude. He's he's up there, Ugh. um, and takes over Reagan's body long enough for Reagan to talk to him, and he does something that was the final nail in the coffin of we needed a season three, we needed a season three, and it's that Reagan has basically told him like, look, I know I I, I like because if in season two when he says you know what I am right, and he's like yeah you're a good guy. You're just a good guy. Uh, um, but in season three, he says it outright. I'm a fraud. I'm a, I am a fraud. I lie. I schmooze people. I am a con artist. And I felt because the way I am, the way I live my life, that I wasn't deserving of connections or knew how to make real ones. But this is me making peace. You have to do the same. Exactly. It's him showing I'm finally accepting myself. And he's show and and that's kind of Reagan and Mob's dynamic this whole show, right? It's that whether or not Reagan even intends to, like Reagan is like an incredible dude. He's just a Reagan good fucking is the guy. Best fucking guy. Oh my god. He, yeah. He's just like, I want to be friends with him. And and throughout the show, 
it's mob following Reagan's lead. You know, it's right, like mob. Right. It's, it's Reagan setting an example for mob from the first time when mob goes to Reagan and he's scared after hurting his brother. And Reagan is just like, I don't know, man, like don't hurt people and like just try to be good. And yeah, it's just, like, just because you have psychic power doesn't make you special. And that's literally like what now drives mob's philosophy. Same with the end of season one, when he confronts claw, it's like, he's showing mob, like, here's how you like basically like talk these stupid little kids down. Like these adults think that they're like so special, but like, they just got to be told they're idiots. And that's that informs Mob in season two and how he approaches his problems. So finally, so beautifully at the very end of the season three, we see, like you said, like Reagan finally, like Mob knows and we know Mob knows. Yeah, like, right, right, right. But like, it ta- like it's not about telling Mob. It's about like Reagan confronting himself and showing Mob like that's it's scary, but it's OK. Like, yeah, because up to that point. He's been basically and like instead of mob leading Reagan, it's Reagan lead. Well, Reagan leads mob, but then mobs really influenced him in so much. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Because it's like also like the first theme is that if you're not special, you can be whatever you want to be. But this final stuff is like it may not make you special, like Reagan's charisma or Ritsu's athleticism or intelligence or mob's godlike power. They don't make you special per se, but you can't deny that they're you. Yep. And that's the really the last message was you still can't sh- disregard it because it's one thing to not make yourself elevated and think you're special because of them, but you can't disregard it either. Yeah. That's important because it made me realize one thing. Mob and Reagan are the same guy. They're the same fucking person. They are the exact same. They're the, there are two people that are dealing with the exact same problem in very different ways. Like Reagan and Mob are two individuals that are so wrapped up in their particular uh, like mindsets that they don't realize that they're not accepting parts of themselves. But I would honestly say you could say that just about any character. And I think Which that's kind of great. That's the point. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I think that's kind of the whole point of the show. It's that like no one's irredeemable, like everyone can change and that like we're all flawed lonely people just looking for connection and meaning in life and like yeah. that is really like the overarching thing it's like every antagonist we run into every character that ends up becoming a friend it's someone who is fundamentally lacking in some way mostly lacking in terms of confidence and in terms of the things they have in their lives and they're often looking for a way to fill it in a fucked up way that is like but like reagan and and it's interesting because like Ma, like there are always these parallels between like looking at like characters that are kind of like well this is what mob would look like if he didn't have this support structure right this is what mob would look like if maybe he got his powers at a later age and it's kind of the same with reagan where like the antagonist in season two the leader of claw this is kind of like what reagan would look like if he had power and like you know what i mean i think it's more like reagan is what mob could have been if he just never made peace it's the the way i'm trying to find the words because mob is disregarding a part of himself and finding it in connect and basically finding support in connections without looking inward and reagan is kind of using connections to his own benefit in a large way and not really looking outward at the real ones like yeah like that's and again two people that have parts of themselves that they need to self-accept and it's in doing so you are you are made whole like that's the one part because like see if you want to break down the themes and the way you lead here season one shows the power of connections and support Season two shows the the bastardization of those connections at times or what happens when you truly can't meet someone 
halfway, mm-hmm. right? You see it with that one guy. You see it with Tochiro. Like these are what happens when you disregard connections or you can't reach a connection with someone else. Now we're down to war. Yeah, right. We're down. We'll net. We're always going to be at odds, and that's a lesson to be. And learned. there'll always be people that you can't change. You can't, no matter yeah, what. Right. You can't change them all. But season three is the one person you can change is yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So in all of that, season three is a puzzle piece to a puzzle I didn't think had an extra slot. Yeah. But now that it's in there, I'm like, ah, big picture. Well, and I think too for. I don't think this was intended by the creators, but like I almost was more as much as as satisfying as like Mob's conclusion was and his acceptance of himself. For me, it was honestly Reagan's conclusion that I was really touched by the most, I think. Hell yeah. Um, Yeah. Because like and I think maybe it's because like Mob's a kid, right? Like fundamentally, despite the things he's going through, like he has time to work through this stuff and grow into a person that he's happy with. Reagan's almost the sadder side of it because he's an adult and like when he's you, 28 yeah and when you meet him like he's he doesn't have any friend mobs his only friend even in season two it's his only friend his only connection and season three a lot of season three it's looking at Reagan starting to build those connections with others even independent of mob in some situations and so to like for me seeing him at the very end of the show when they throw him the surprise party that oh, that hit yeah. me harder than I think anything else this season. Like that and fucking cool. rocked me. Yeah, and one, and so it kind of ends in a really interesting way too. That's very anti shonen. One real mad props and almost like weird psycho red flags from Subomi because she's staring <laughs> at what looks like a category seventeen oh, tornado yeah, she in front does, of her. She never leaves, and she's like, "Huh, I wonder when that guy's gonna get here." I'm like, "Girl, <laughs> the world is ending. Get the fuck home, you psychopath." But he goes, he, he shapes up, mob, snaps out of it, makes peace with himself, and he gets rejected. Yep. He doesn't cry in front of her. He said, thank you. I appreciate you coming to have a talk with me. Goes back to Reagan, and he cries. No explosion, no issue. But he emotes, I think for one of the first times. Well, he emoted like, that way with Dimple earlier at his perceived loss there. But at the, near the end of the season... He really has a good, hearty cry and no psychic powers to speak of. You know, I think it's it's really the final scene that depicts that more than anything, I think, because there are moments even in like the beginning of season two, like he cries in the first episode when he realizes that that girl is like writing a oh, novel and right. it gets torn up. Yeah. But even then, it's almost like the emotion is coming out of him and he doesn't even really realize it. Like, it, like it's in, an unconscious. It's thing. like the tears are yeah. streaming down his face, but he he doesn't look like distraught necessarily. You know, it's like he clearly is sad, but he doesn't even realize it's happening. He's still trying to hold it in. Oh. But it's in the final moment when he laughs when and it shows him like belly full hearted giant smile throwing his head back and that's the first and final moment when you're like you, you finally see mob emoting and that yeah, like what yeah. a fucking beautiful moment to end the show on it's peace it's just, it's inner peace it's just this and it's funny too i i think i hear people who kind of think this show might be a bit mid um what do, what do you mean well well the people who i will hear like eh, mob's not really for me i what, i who, who's saying that i are you ready to dox right now? Is anyone listening saying that? Because sh- shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut, uh, <laughs> shut the fuck up real quick. Just real quick. You want to hear some emotes? Um, you make me cry, dude. Um, but yeah, honestly, like, I think it's go back and really watch it now that it's over, over, and really give it the time of day. I mean, the whole series, I think people are going to start talking about Mob in retrospect, like people talk about FMA. 
Like, I truly mm-hmm. think it's going to age like a fine fucking wine. Well, and I think, too, and I'm probably going to rewatch Mob soon here myself just because I, I haven't watched it all the way through and it's been years since I've seen the first season. But, like, another reason I like Mob, similar to the reason I feel like it's kind of an in, like a reverse of typical shonen tropes, is it almost feels like shonen for adults to a certain extent. And what I oh, mean, yeah, what dude. I mean is, like, as much as gratifying as the stories of typical shonen are and as great as those characters are and stuff like they still just kind of fundamentally feel childish which i love i mean that's honestly one of the reasons i love anime and there's no no issue with that but to me like mob just explores some really like tough subjects i mean and it does it in a really mature and subtle way that i think maybe some people just don't realize and i think and i think too because it's a very show don't tell kind of show that like it's showing you these messages and these and this growth, but if you're not really looking for it or paying attention to it, I could see it going right over your head. Sure, and I mean, what you're left with is an incredibly high production value, just sakuga smorgasbord. Oh my god! Like for so, the visuals alone, man. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're not, if you don't want to take away and just turn the brain off, this show is fucking great. Yeah, and it's funny. <laughs> well, like, and that's it's a good time. And what's so funny that you say that is, I. You introduced me to this show when we were living together in yeah. like 2017, and I think I had recent. No, no, no. I had we had watched One Punch Man a while before that, but we were talking about it, and you're like, "Oh, well, if you like that, you should watch this show by the same creators." And that was when I watched Mob Psycho. And honestly, the first season by itself does not feel that deep compared to the show as a whole. Like if you just watch season one in a, in a like I, I said before that I feel like every season's kind of well like has a good arc. I kind of take that back thinking now. Season one by itself doesn't feel that way it's like trajectory up yeah it's laying a lot of the foundation for what then you get the payoff in season two and seasons two and three um so season one watching it i did not feel like it was this super deep emotionally complex show i thought who pretty you know like it it truly was just like it looks so fucking good and it's so fun to watch so like going into like season and I think that's why I ended up loving season two so much because it it like t- took me by surprise in such a big way. And I think for me at the end of it all, I I, I look very fondly at this show, not just because of the Sakuga stuff and not just because of like the entire arc and how we're utterly relatable relatable mm. it is to I think anyone oh who's God. ever had a doubt, self-doubt in yeah. their life. But it's the creator one when he was interviewed. It's a good way to close this out before we give our scores is that he had an interview that's commonly cited in the creation of mob cycle 100. What do you think about when you draw this particular story and where he didn't say this first part, but like one punch means a story about a man who's reached his goal. And now what, where's the next step? Right. But he has quoted saying, I think about the big impact of a single step. When I want, when I write Mob Psycho 100, the level of impact in a life and the lives of people around you with just the first couple steps of self improvement. Yeah, and that's what this show visually, narratively, everything—the bombastic psychic battles, these huge set pieces—it's meant to be an, I think, an allegory of the impact of just how a little bit of self growth, self acceptance, and connections can be oh one we see time and time again in this show that all it takes is one kind act to set someone on the path of becoming a better person like that is time and like we see it with every antagonist we see it with mob and reagan themselves all it takes like you said it's that's that first step it may seem so small 
but it can have a world of difference for someone. And if you look at how these emotions run away from mob, each emotion seems to have a different power and its impact is very tied to what he's feeling, right? I think of 100% rage. He can level a city block yeah. without thinking, but that sometimes when you let rage get the better of you, that's what it could feel like. Yeah. His sadness and when he totally decimated the school when he lost control um, in his first fight in season one where he first time he went unconscious, yeah. his sadness power was turning back time to to fix his mistake. Yeah. When you're sad and have regret, that's all you maybe would want to do. Yeah. And when you have 100% courage, he started like really you know that's what it can feel like he goes full like his eyes go crazy in like the midway through season two and he looks like anime protagonist like shiro shiro even even that and that this show in general is like every layer it, everything is so intentional like every little thing that these people did is so well thought out and impressive and even that where you're like season one almost every time it goes 100 percent, it's a negative emotion it's something a negative emotion he doesn't know how to handle and he's suppressing season two they almost all become positive emotions it becomes him learning Learning how to leverage the positive emotions and gain strength from that. And then season three, it's trying not to let those emotions blow up at all and learning how to truly control and accept them. Because you never really see a hundred percent emotion, right? Yeah. You only see like his output. Yeah. So that's and right there is like that's the quote from one that I think about with this show is that he's trying to write a story to show on only in the way manga and anime can the massive impact of just a single step yeah and it's a beautiful way to think about that that something so small to one can from the outside looking in can be this huge monumental thing to another another observer like we see in the show he's they're fucking leveling blocks but that's really just him working some shit out yeah honestly so i mean final thoughts this could be my top two anime of all time it's it's up there for me i for think sure. it's like next to steins gate for me too which has been famously one of my all-time favorites and I, I don't know it's just like this show had no business being so good but one the author of one punch man and mob psycho 100 that guy knows how to write some motherfucking quality Ugh. op characters oh my god, right yeah. oh, oh my god like I, I he is such a visionary when it, his art style is pretty rough if you've ever seen the original web comics they're pretty fucking rough oh, but, i've seen a few yeah, yeah but it's it's his style man like everyone knows it it's like the the whole one punch man saitama soka face like just like uh, <laughs> not giving a fuck that's his style to a t basically the same face that mob has for most of the show yep, 100%. <laughs> so if you got to give um you got to give season three a score out of 100 and you can even give an overall after that what would you think the final season of Mob Psycho show. Take it with a grain of salt because I really feel like... Because I even think when we talked about season two, I had already watched it through twice. And so I feel like I need to think through my opinion a little more. I'm going to give it a little lower and maybe say... But I'm going to temper it with the fact that it ends the whole show so well. I'll give it a 90, I okay. think. I was going to say it's a 92 for me. Only because I felt like a lot of the emotional meat happened here we got ourselves true, true final arcs to our two main characters. Yep. And we also we also got something that I think is really unique in storytelling in this shonen space. You don't typically see the main character not getting the girl at the end. You don't mm -hmm. really see this uh, uh, not like that. The, mo the moment with Toshiro, basically, like that's the moment in shonen when the old bad guy becomes good and sacrifices himself for the greater good. Yeah, he doesn't do that. He says, let's just run away. It's OK. It's, it's cool. Like, like, I have other things to think about. 
You don't see that shit no. very often. No. So, I mean, the way that it brought unique spins on certain beats, the Sakuga, obviously, the emotional character-driven stuff, I'm going to give that a 92, and I'm going to give overall a 91 as a package. And that's I think a 90s is kind of rare for me, but we've been giving them a lot lately. But I honestly think that this show is like a 90... No, fuck it. I'll do a 92 as well. I'm going to do a 95 for, yeah. for the whole show. I... I really need to watch it back through and even like given some of my comments about, hey, season one on its own doesn't feel as deep and like maybe season three felt a little more aimless at first. But I really think and I think if I rewatch it, it'll, it'll this will reinforce it like as a package beginning to end. This show is just so smart, so beautiful, so emotionally well driven. All the characters are so well written. It's funny when it needs to be. It's emotional when it needs to be. It looks fucking rad as hell when it needs to <laughs> oh, when, and even when it doesn't need to no, do that yeah yeah, yeah. it just does it, look incredible and it's and you know i'd be interested to see how many like the sakuga to like basic animation proportion but like it, it you like i mentioned how it uses different art styles and stuff and it's like it it chooses when it chooses the right moments when to use its budget i think you know because ultimately everything requires production and so I don't know what the budget was on this, but they used that money so fucking well. And you know what's funny, too? Season three, and this is a rarity in the space, was completely edited and finished before the first episode aired. Holy shit. It was done. That's like, crazy. They finished yeah. that shit up and down, and it was done by the time that first episode dropped. So, I mean, the matriculation, which I learned isn't a word, but I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> I was going to say that. I got roasted. <laughs> Fuck it. The meticulousness. <laughs> All right, fucking classroom. <laughs> the meticulousness that went into every aspect of it shows and how well prepared it felt. I don't even think they had to choosy on the budget. Like everything looked oh, insane. Yeah, that's... Insane. And I think too the cyclical nature of it, how like everything kind of feeds back into itself. All the stories ultimately tie into each other. And like we were saying, just you keep peeling back the layers and there's just more to love and there's more to see. And that's why, like, I bet if I were to rewatch the show, I'd have a hundred more things to say about it that I like, and probably very few, if any, to say I dislike. You'd so, have Mob Psycho 100 more things to say about I, it. <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and I, I want to give this a Mob Psycho 100, but I... How dare <laughs> you come into my house? I'm sorry. It was just... I made it better. Um, but it's okay. I... I want to give it a 100, but I, you know, I, nothing can be perfect. So I'll, I'll say 95, um, but talk to me again after I watch it all and we'll see. We'll have to do that follow up. But until then, thank y'all for coming to class. Thank you, Cody, for coming. Thank on. you for having it me. I so love fun. being an adjunct professor. I'm not tenured yet. I'm a little pissed, but that's okay. We have a very rigorous process and you're only at step two of 49. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you're getting there. You're getting there. Hey, progress is progress. Like Mob has taught us. Yeah. Every little step counts. Yeah. But if you would like to come into our discord to discuss anything about Mob Psycho and how amazing, fantastic, or the words that I use are absolutely fucking made up, you can get in for one. <laughs> $1 and up at patreon.com slash to talk to all of our past guests and the lovely Patreon folk. $3 and up gets you the syllabus sidebar, our lo-fi, high vibe, sometimes anime, sometimes not, sometimes visual, and sometimes on hiatus show, we talk about life and things and stuff that wouldn't fit into this nice big bucket right wow, here. Wow, and that's only 
for the low, low price of two ninety nine. Low, low price of three dollars. You don't do that bullshit out here. <laughs> <laughs> Around three, three dollars a month for all of that content. Three dollars a month for all of that content community. Wow, that sounds like a steal. It is a steal. You're literally <laughs> robbing me. It's hard to host all that shit. <laughs> but yeah, um, anywhere you getting uh your podcast fix, guys, you're already on the platform, guys. It's two clicks, one and down, over two hundred hours of content with mostly Ethan and I, and some of them with Cody. Go listen if you want to listen to some of the other mob psycho ones in the past he's been on that he's our resident mob uh, mob psychic resident i don't know you had powers but you're really shy about him i don't know <laughs> we don't like to talk about that they only come out during D usually that's really true <laughs> i've seen you move to those details i've seen you move natural 20s that's, a, that's an unnatural 20 my guy okay um but yeah all the links you can contact us are in the description of wherever you're listening to this below like comment subscribe or you do those things and uh you know give us some old school love Say hi to us on the email, the Gmail specifically, apologypodcast at gmail.com. Say hi. Give us a show to recommend we watch, even if it's bad. We'll do it. If it's bad, we'll do it. They will. I lived with them for two years. And uh, <laughs> some, of the, some of them are still still scarring in my brain. But until I can use powerful psychic magic to warp <laughs> my brain to forget everything, I'm Ricky. That was Cody. And this has been Cubology. Deuces. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Magic psychic therapy? That'd be nice. <laughs>